It's a privilege to have Joe Martin and Roman Connect joining us every other Thursday. And we're excited this morning, Tommy, to have Joe sitting right between us. That's right. And hey, Dr. Joe, <laughs> we, we, we know that you help people connect and help people with their relationships. So I think you came in to sit between us to keep us from fighting. You think that's what it is? Yeah. Because I'm a little bit intimidated having both you guys like bookings around <laughs> me right now. No, but I, I got to tell you, um, I was thinking about this during the, the commercial breaks, that you guys have such soothing voice. I feel relaxed. I'm always amped up in uh, you guys. I'm, I'm over the top when it comes to my energy. But you guys calm me down. Really? Man. I feel good with you guys this well, morning. Well, we love <laughs> having you here. Joe, a couple of weeks ago, we had you join us, and you really shared your heart and kind of led us into a place where, as you grew up, you had to make a decision, and your mom was instrumental. And that audio, we shared that on Facebook, and that audio was shared, and, and we can kind of measure mm-hmm. the, the how many times it's listened to, and that segment was so profound. You really shared from your heart about how your mom really you were in a tough place growing up but but god i want you to kind of talk through what it looks like for you as you developed and matured and grew especially in your relationship with christ and some instrumental people that came alongside you well going back to my my childhood um i was very confused as a child um i, I there's jokes in our family that i was never a baby um, because that can you, you guys probably won't even believe this. There's not one baby picture of me. Huh. Wow. So I have no proof that I was actually a baby. Maybe I just <laughs> was born, but, um, but I knew I felt so out of place growing up in, in the hood in Miami. And so I had so many um, questions and I was so confused. That's why that story I shared about my mom, um, after I came home from school that day really changed my life because I didn't know what to do. And so I had a lot of questions about, um, my dad who had left, I had a lot of questions about my mom who was so young as a teenager. I had questions, uh, about God because I couldn't understand how my life seemed so rough and, and, and so, so volatile and living in an environment where I saw so much, um, negativity and so much crime and violence and anger and resentment and bitterness. And I just didn't believe I belonged. Mm. And so, uh, I, I lived a very, very precarious life growing up because I just thought God made a mistake to the point that I, it became anger towards God because I didn't believe, you know, I'm putting in air quotes, they can't see it, but um, I don't deserve this. Mm. Um, I'm not a game banger. I'm not selling drugs. All my friends did this kind of stuff. Um, I didn't um, steal. I didn't hurt people. But I, And I saw this all around me. And so I'm thinking, why is all this bad stuff happening to me? So I went to church. Um, heard about God, but it just made me more angry at mm. God because I just couldn't understand why my life was so bad if he was so good. Yeah. Wow. And so you had to you had to make some conscious decisions at, at a young age. Am I going to fall into this or am I going to swim against the current? And it's honestly much easier just to go with the current and go with what's going around you. What made you make that decision not to do that? Well, it was um, actually having my mom make me go to church. Um, I did have at least a fear of God, knowing mm. you know good from bad and and that kind of thing. But also, but I have to say honestly, it was probably the fear of my mother yes. <laughs> more than anything else, because I, my mom used to make you know 
um, kind of like these threats, but I know she was serious about um, if you ever go to jail, because most of my friends will get locked up. She said, if you ever go to jail, they're going to give you one phone call. And when you call me, the first question I'm going to ask is, were you framed? Mm-hmm. He said, and if you say no, I'm hanging up on you. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> said, I am not coming out, to, coming to get a guilty child out of jail. You're just going to sit there. And so it was that kind of thing. Or if you steal and they don't catch you, I'm killing you. Wow. <laughs> so, and so either way. It's that old school parenting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What they would call Work. abuse today. But <laughs> my mom called it parenting. So she she saved me from the streets. Wow. So, Joe, you were in church. Talk about how when it became real for you that you needed to more than just go through the motions, but you needed a, a true relationship with Jesus and, and when Jesus became real to you. Well, it actually didn't happen in church. It um, After I graduated, um, went off to college, which is a whole other story because I was the first person in my family ever to graduate from high school. But when I went off to college, I, I was an overachiever. Um, I became the youngest professor um, ever hired to teach in the state of Florida at the age of 24. Wow. You know, you have kids who don't even graduate at 24. Yeah. yeah here I am, a tenured professor. And so I became this hot commodity on campus that everybody wanted to get into this class with this young hip hop professor (laughs) who seemed to be so cool. And it was this one kid in my class had to be only five years younger than I was, probably 19 at the time. Um, He wasn't in my major, um, but he wanted to get into my class, but he couldn't because I had a waiting list. That's how popular Mm. I was on campus. And so he would just hang out, just be a hanger on. But I uh, quickly developed a, a friendship with him. Well, as far as a student teacher relationship could go, but I realized that he was one of the most popular kids on campus. He was in a a fraternity, which I will not name, that he was um, a very popular fraternity and he was the leader of that fraternity. So you can imagine the reputation that he had. And it wasn't a good one. Mm. He was the party animal. The girls wanted him, Mm -hmm. all this other stuff. And but he wanted to hang around me because he saw me as a being a mentor, this Mm. young um, African-American professor who seems to have everything perfect in his life. I'm married at the time. I have a little kid, you know, mm-hmm. all this other mm-hmm. stuff. So he's saying now I'm this, this is not initially when I met him. This is like two or three years later when he's getting ready to graduate. Hmm. So he wanted to meet me as a freshman, but he ended up building a relationship with me when I became, um, went about when he became a senior and he's getting ready to graduate. Well, um, we, he invited us to, um, his, um, party, of a graduation party, which I attended. And I was amazed because they had him in the middle of the floor while all of his family and friends were surrounding him. My wife and I at the time had just arrived late and they were talking about how he had impacted their lives. What I left out of the story is that during this this year, these three years that I knew him, he gave his life to Christ. Mm. And I don't know if you guys remember something called the Brownsville Revival. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Well, he attended that church. That mm. was his church. And that's where he got saved. And so I saw in the three year span, this guy did a 180 degree turn. And I'm thinking to myself as a Christian, oh, how long is this going to last? Mm. You know, because I'm thinking, yeah. you know, this is not going to last. He's going to go back to doing what he used to do, drinking and partying and all this other stuff. And um, so we go to his house and all these people, young and old, are talking about how he impacted their lives, their faith and all this other stuff. And I was just amazed by it. And they even asked me and my wife at the time what we thought we said and we talked and everything. Then we're driving back home and my wife asked me, she says, um, do you know, what do you think about John's party? I said, it was OK. She said, that's it. That was wasn't that amazing. I said, yeah, I said, but I'm curious. She says, what? I said, if I was seated, seated in the middle of that floor, mm-hmm. what would they say about me? 
Mm. What my family and friends say about me mm. and my um, wife, ex-wife now mm. at the time she said, Oh, that you're so driven, motivated. You're such a hard worker. You're an overachiever. You're a great provider. And I got sad. Mm. She said, what's wrong? I said, and all those things you describe, you never mentioned once about God, mm. about how it's impacted anybody's faith, what I've given and how I've served and laid my life down for other people. Mm. I said, that's what they said about John. They didn't, and he's only like 21, <laughs> you know, mm. 22 years. I said, they didn't say any of those things about me. And she didn't understand because here we are, we were cultural Christians. Mm, mm-hmm. We went to church and we checked all the boxes, but we didn't have a personal intimate relationship with Christ. So mm-hmm. I'm, again, I'm, I'm having this, this discontent, and, but I don't know what it is. Two weeks later, after John had graduated, he came by my office and he was really nervous and he was shaking. And I'm, you have to know John, he is the most confident mm. person. He, he's an extrovert to the extreme. So to see him nervous, I'm thinking, did he kill somebody? Well, you know what <laughs> happened to him, right. mm-hmm. he in trouble? And I said, John, what's going on? He said, I, well, I want to talk to you, but I'm just nervous because I want to ask you something. I said, but John, spit it out. You can talk to me about anything. Because this time we've had like a three, th- four year relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, dude, you can tell me anything. Right. He says, um, well, Joe, I just want to ask you, um, do you know him? And of course, my question is, know who? <laughs> he says, mm-hmm. know Jesus. I said, of course I know Jesus. I said, I, I believe in God. He says, Joe, I'm not talking about just do you know him as an acquaintance. Mm. I'm talking about do you know him? I said, what do you mean know him? He mm. says, Joe, and all of a sudden he got confident. Mm. And I know now it had to be the Holy Spirit yeah. just giving in to him because mm. now he took off the gloves. He says, and he went in. He mm. says, Joe, when I say do you know him, I mean, when you get up in the morning, is he the first thing on your mind? Mm. When you go to bed at night, is he the last thing on your mind? Yo, I see all the stuff that you've achieved and what you've accomplished and all these things. You got more degrees that, than anybody I know. Do, do you thank him for everything that you achieved? Does he, he's the first thing you give praise to when you achieve. Is he the first one you look to for mm-hmm. approval? Mm-hmm. When you're going through, I know you've been through a lot in your life, but when you're going through now, even today, do you call out to him? Do you, do you seek him? Do you reach out to him? Do you pray to him? Is he on your mind constantly throughout your day? And I broke down crying. Mm. Joe Martin with us with Real Men Connect. Powerful testimony of of the question, who is Jesus to you? Maybe you can ask yourself some of those same questions this morning that he was asking Joe. So we're in the midst of kind of how answering that question, who is Jesus to you? You were a professor at a school, a student, become a friend, came into your office and took a bold step. I know that had to be a bit overwhelming for that student, but you said he was just simply following the Holy Spirit's prompting, and he asked you that question, and it was tough for you to answer. Yes, um, when he said it, I knew all of a sudden I just had to come clean with him and tell him the truth. And I said, um, mm. um, I said, no, I don't know him like that. And I was in tears. And um, he said, um, Joe, um, I love you, bro. Mm. He says, but if he's not that in your life, what is? Mm. And I told him, I said, um, my wife. And he says, and he knows my wife, he knew my wife. He said, as much as I love you and I love her, that was never her position. Mm. God gave you that wife. But yet he's not 
the first and last thing on your mind. And he proceeded to lead me back to Christ into a personal relationship back to Christ. And on at two fifty on July 17th, 20, um, uh, 23 years ago, mm. he led me back to the Lord and my life has never been the same since. Mm. And so, um, that was, um, unexpected, um, but welcomed. And I realized that God was, um, sent him to me at the right time. But he did ask me, he's, and I, well, I did ask him, I said, John, I don't get it. I said, why were you so nervous? Because now we've been friends forever now. Um, matter of fact, I'm getting ready to go see him tomorrow. We're driving out, spending the weekend together. And so we've been friends now forever, over two and a half decades. I said, why were you so nervous? You, you'd never nervous. He says, because most people, when they hear from the Lord and they receive the Lord is when they're at rock bottom when they're broke down and they, and they feel like God is a last resort. He says, you weren't lacking anything. Hmm. You had everything, a wife, kid, position, prestige, reputation, money, all this stuff. I said, and when he said, when hmm. God prompted me to reach out to you, I'm like, God, he doesn't need me. Hmm. Joe yet, Martin with Real Men Connect. We're, we have literally just a couple of moments remaining, but for what you're sharing this morning, someone is listening, and they may be at that same point where they describe it as rock bottom. And this morning, there's the opportunity for them to come into that same relationship, maybe to be renewed in that relationship with Jesus. They've drifted away. They find themselves this morning facing that same question you were, who is Jesus to you? What would you say to them in our final moment together? That you don't have to be at rock bottom to meet Jesus. Um, because even if you are, you'll find out he's the rock at the bottom. Um, I didn't have to be at rock bottom to know who he was. He's been pursuing us and he wants us. He doesn't need us, but he wants us and he wants to pursue us. So just surrender and let him love you. Let him embrace you and let him change your life. Taste him and see if he's not good. Joe Martin, we're meant connect. Wonderful words of encouragement this morning. And we have a Savior whose arms are open wide and says, Come to me, all who are weary, who may be at rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And what will he do? I will give you rest, he says. And there is hope with Jesus. Joe, thank you for being with us this morning. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me.